Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Radio Veritas. I'm Carol Saruti from the Catholic Women's League at St. Therese Parish in Edenville, and I will be your presenter for today. The name of our program is Blessed Saints, and our objective is to learn more about saints around the world as well as in South Africa. The word saint in the Catholic Church typically refers to the group of holy souls who are united in God in heaven. A canonized saint in the Catholic Church is a person who is officially recognized as having lived a life of heroic virtue while on earth. We will be delving into a brief history of the saint of the day each week as well as old and new saints. We will also be following Danny and Domitilla quest to sainthood. For those who don't know who Danny and Domitilla are, as founders of Little Eden Society, a non-profit society dedicated to the care of persons with intellectual disabilities, which was opened in 1967. Danny and Domitilla also provided an inspiring example of their committed family life and marriage, raising their six children. Both strove for holiness by living out the Christian virtues of faith, hope and charity, assisted by the divine grace and living in God's presence. They imbued their ordinary daily activities with selflessness, love, serving and most marginalized of society. Holy Mass, the Rosary and daily prayer were central thoughts within their lives. Both died in Edenvale, Johannesburg, with a reputation of holiness. In fact, Little Eden recently had some residents who went for confirmation. Very little is known about our saints. We call on special saints when we need their help, like St. Francis of Assisi. If your pet is missing or not well, did you know that Sirius Mills is the patron saint of lost dogs? If we have lost something, who do we call on for help? St. Anthony, of course, who is typically portrayed holding a child Jesus or a lily or a book, sometimes all three in his arms. For those who are terminally ill, we call on St. Joseph, who grants them an easy death. St. Joseph is also the patron saint of real estate matters and home sales. We all know St. Joseph of Cupertino. He is a patron of exams, especially the most difficult ones. When we have family problems, we pray to St. Elizabeth of Portugal. She is the patron saint for healing family rifts. There are more than 10,000 saints recognized by the Roman Catholic Church. We won't be able to cover all of these saints, but we'll endeavor to discuss the most popular saints. We will be conducting interviews with children from different parishes and Catholic schools who have recently been confirmed and who are busy with confirmation classes. So if we have any listeners who would like to send in clips, or perhaps you have something that will interest our listeners about saints, please message me on 074 801-0816. We would love to hear from you. You can join us every Thursday between 1 and 2 on 576 AM 
or DSTV channel 870. Let us open with a prayer to saints. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Bless the many parted souls who live their lives with grace. Bless the saints in heaven gathered in that special place. May we tell their stories and remember all the ways they lived their faith and spent their days. There is glory and reward, even if at first there's strife. O oh, blessed saints, you help us see a path that's to eternal life. May we always hold them dear and know their life and place. May we know their inspiration and aspire to their grace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That means it's time to enlighten you on a few facts. Did you know that in the early church there wasn't formal canonization, but a group of local martyrs widespread and regulated by the bishop of the diocese? A martyr is someone who voluntarily suffers death or persecution for a cause, usually a religious or political one. Martyrs are revered as heroes witnesses or saints by various groups and traditions. The first saint canonized by a pope was Ulrich, Bishop of Augsburg. He died in 973 and was canonized by Pope John XV at the Latin Council of 99. The first Catholics regarded as saints were martyrs who died under Roman persecution in the first centuries following Jesus' birth. These martyrs were recognized as saints almost instantly after their death, highly regarded for dying in the name of God. In the centuries following, sainthood was extended to those who led pious lives and defending the faith. The definition of pious is having or showing strong religious feelings, reverence for or devotion to God. Eventually, this process had to be regulated. Since the criteria for canonization wasn't strict, the number of saints grew dramatically during the 6th and 7th centuries. Around 1200, Pope Alexander III decreed that only the Pope had the power to determine who could be identified as a saint. This was following the canonization of a saint who he believed had been killed in an alcohol-driven brawl and wasn't worthy of canonization. Did you know that it is a well-known fact that altars at the time of their consecration by the bishop were to have inserted a relic of a saint, preferably a martyr, which was kissed by the priest as he began to offer the holy sacrifice of the mass. It is still earnestly recommended that every altar possesses a relic of one of the saints. Such a relic should be of a size sufficient for them to be recognized as parts of a human body. Therefore, excessively small relics of one or more saints must not be placed beneath the altar. The greater care must be taken to determine whether the relic in question is authentic. It is better for an altar to be dedicated without relics than to have relics of doubtful authenticity placed beneath it. 
A copy of the record of the dedication is to be placed in the reliquary. If relics of the martyr or other saints are to be placed beneath the altar, bishop approaches the altar, a deacon brings the relic to the bishop, who places them in a suitably prepared position. A number of aged relics associated with Jesus have been displayed throughout the history of Christianity. While some individuals believe in the authenticity of Jesus' relics, others doubt their validity. For instance, the 16th century philosopher Erasmus wrote about the proliferal of relics and the number of buildings that could be constructed from wooden relics claimed to be from the crucifixion cross of Jesus. Similar, at last 30 holy nails were venerated as relics across Europe in the early 20th century. Part of the relics are included in the so-called armor Christi, that is the weapon of Christ, or the instrument of the Passion. Some relics, such as remnants of the crown of thorns, received only a modest number of pilgrims, while others, such as the Shroud of Turin, received millions of pilgrims, including the, sec the second Pope Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. As Christian teaching generally states that Christ was assumed into heaven corporally, there are few body relics. On Blessed Saints with Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. On 576 AM and DSTV 870, I'm Carol Ceruti, and we hope that we can lift your spirits and brighten up your day. We got to hear about canonization of saints and the fact that previously the process was never really there. We are now going to listen to Kelsey, Emma and Jenna sharing with us about the saints that they chose for confirmation and why. My name is Kelsey DeVitter and I go to Holy Rosary School. The saints I have chosen for confirmation is St. Gemma of Galgani. St. Gemma was born on the 12th of March, 1878, and passed away on the 11th of April, 1903, which is her feast day. She is also referred to as the Flower of Luca and Daughter of Passion for her intense replication of the Passion of Christ. She was canonized on the 2nd of May, 1940. At a young age, she had to leave school due to ill health and developed a love for prayer. St. Gemma had an immense love for the poor. She became a mother figure to seven siblings after her father passed away. When she fell ill with meningitis, she prayed about it and was cured. She desperately wanted to become a nun, but her ill health prevented this. St. Gemma was named the patron saint against temptations, as well as the patron saint for students, pharmacists, as well as the patron saint of happiness. I have chosen St. Gemma because academics form a very important part of my life as I strive to be a part of the medical field one day. I also want to live every day in happiness and to be grateful for everything the Lord has done for me, no matter the circumstances. I don't want to be tempted by evil, but rather believe in God for everything I do. I would also love to live my life every day 
giving back to the community. My name is Emma Gomes. I was confirmed on the 2nd of September 2022 at St. Therese Church. For my saint, I chose St. Sebastian. He is the patron saint of athletes and artists. He was born 255 AD in Gaul. He later moved to Rome and became captain of the guard under Diocletian. He converted many soldiers, but when it was discovered that he was a Christian and converting Romans, he was condemned to death and was tied to a pole and shot by arrows and left for dead. However, he was miraculously nursed back to life by a Christian woman. He then presented himself before Diocletian and was ordered to be beaten to death. Saint Sebastian showed great courage, strength and perseverance. He knew that if Diocletian found out he was a Christian, he would be put to death, and yet he continued to preach and to convert Romans all around him. I chose Saint Sebastian because his courage is inspirational, and I hope that I can apply his courage to my life. I hope to have his strength and perseverance through all situations and to have his faith and love for God. Hello, my name is Dina. I was confirmed in September 2022 at the Bishop Sacramento in my room. I wore a white dress and the Bishop blessed me with oil on my head. I chose Saint Mary as my saint. Because man is the month of Mary and I was born in May. Saint Mary is the mother of Jesus. She was known for being pure and free from sin. I would like to be pure and Free from sin, love Saint Mary. I love Saint Mary. Thank you. Love Dina. A very big thank you to Kelsey, Emma, and Jenna participating in today's program. Elsie chose Saint Gemma, also known as the Flower of Luca, and daughter of the Passion. She was very ill, and this prevented her from becoming a nun, which was her dream. In spite of this, she looked after her siblings when her mother died. St. Gemma loved prayer. She's the patron saint of students, pharmacists, and academics. Kelsey, we pray that St. Gemma guide you with your studies, and we look forward to celebrating your graduation with you. Emma's saint is St. Sebastian. He is the patron saint of athletics and archers. Saint Sebastian defied death once before he was finally executed for his beliefs. He was a very brave man. Emma, we pray that with Saint Sebastian's guidance, your caring, strength and perseverance will carry you a long way and assist in achieving all your goals in life. Janet chose Saint Mary. What a special young lady, very brave to take part in today's show. St. Mary is the saint of May and also the mother of Jesus. How lucky for you, Jenna, that you were born in the month of May. It must have been a wonderful experience to be confirmed 
at the Besset Sacrament Church in Malvern by the bishop. You must have looked beautiful in your white dress. May St. Mary guide you and protect you and help you to stay pure and free from sin. God bless you. These three young ladies have dedicated themselves to God, and for that they are blessed. May our loving Lord protect you all. Saint Joseph the Worker is our saint of the day. Today we learn more about him. He first appeared in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke. Saint Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus Christ and the husband of the Virgin Mary. Venerated as a saint in many Christian sects, Saint Joseph is a biblical figure who is believed to have been the corporal father of Jesus Christ. Joseph's lineage is traced back to King David. According to the Bible, Joseph was born 100 BCE and later wed the Virgin Mary, Jesus' mother. He died in Israel in 1 AD. Everything we know about St. Joseph, the husband of Mary and the foster father of Jesus, comes from the Bible and mentions of him are unwhelming. The 13 New Testament books written by Paul makes no reference to him at all, nor does the Gospel of Mark, the first of the Gospels. To add to the problem of not knowing enough about Joseph, some writings, such as the 2nd century Protovangism of James and the 4th century history of Joseph, the carpenter, muddy the historical waters further, presenting him as a widower with children when he met Mary and claiming that he lived in, to the ripe old age of 111. These claims, however, are not accepted by the church. After marrying Mary, Joseph found that she was already pregnant, and being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he decided to divorce her quietly, knowing that if he did so publicly, she could be stoned to death. An angel, however, came to Joseph and told him that the child Mary carried was the Son of God and was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Joseph kept Mary as his wife. After Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, an angel came to Joseph again, this time to warn him and Mary about King Herod and of Judea and the violence he would bring down upon the child. Joseph then fled to Egypt with Mary and Jesus, and the angel appeared again, telling Joseph that Herod had died and instructing him to return to the Holy Land. Avoiding Bethlehem and possible action by Herod's successor, Joseph, Mary and Jesus settled in Nazareth, in Galilee. The Gospels describe Joseph as a tecton, which traditionally means carpenter. And it is assumed that Joseph taught this, his craft to Jesus in Nazareth. At this point, however, Joseph is never mentioned again by the name in the Bible. Although the story of Jesus in the temple includes a reference to both his parents. The circumstances of Joseph's death are not known, but it is likely that he died before Jesus' ministry began. It is implied that he was dead before the crucifixion. Already a patron saint of Mexico, Canada and Belgium, in 1870, 
Joseph was declared patron of the Universal Church by Pope Pius IX. And in 1955, Pope Pius XII established 1st of May as a feast of St. Joseph the Worker to counter the communist May Day. Here are a few quotes by St. Joseph. We are born to love, we live to love, and we will die to love still more. Clearly, what God wants above all is our willing, which we received as a free gift from God in creation and possesses as through our own. When a man trains himself to act for virtue, it is with the help of the grace from God, from whom all things come, that he does this. The will is what man has as his unique possession. Each of us can discover in Joseph the man who goes unnoticed, a daily, discreet and hidden presence, an intercessor or supporter, and a guide in times of trouble. St. Joseph reminds us that those who appear hidden or in the shadows can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation. The greatest of St. Joseph is that he was the spouse of Mary and the father of Jesus. In this way, he placed himself in the world of St. John Chrysostom at the service of the entire plan of salvation. St. Paul VI pointed out that Joseph concretely expressed his fatherhood by making his life a sacrificial service to the mystery of the Incarnation and its redemptive purpose. He employed his legal authority over the Holy Family to devote himself completely to them in his life and work. He turned his human vocation to domestic love and into a superhuman oblation of himself, his heart and all his abilities, a love placed at the service of the Messiah who was growing to maturity in his home. Joseph saw Jesus grow daily in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. As the Lord had done with Israel, so Joseph did with Jesus. He taught him to walk, taking him by the hand. He was for him like a father who rises an infant to the cheeks, bending down to him and feeding him. Even though Joseph fears God's will, his history and his plan were at work. Joseph then teaches us that faith in God includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties and our weaknesses. He also teaches us that amid the tempest of life, we must never be afraid to let the Lord steer our course. At times we want to be complete control, yet God always sees the bigger picture. During the hidden years in Nazareth, Jesus learned at the school of Joseph, to do the will of the Father. That will was to be his daily food. Jesus, as God told Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid. So he seems to tell us, do not be afraid. We need to set aside all anger and disappointment and to embrace the way things are, even when they do turn out as we wish. Not with mere resignation, but with hope and courage. In this way, we become open to the deeper meaning 
Our lives can be miraculously reborn if we find the courage to live them in accordance with the gospel. It does not matter if everything seems to have gone wrong or some things can no longer be fixed. God can make flowers spring up from the stony ground. Even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Work is a means of participating in the work of salvation, an opportunity to hasten the coming of the kingdom, to develop our talents and abilities, and to put them at service of society and fraternal communication. It becomes an opportunity for the fulfillment not only of oneself, but also of the primary cell of society, which is the family. Fathers are not born, but made. A man does not become a father simply by bringing a child into the world, but by taking up the responsibility to care for that child. Whenever a man accepts responsibility for the life of another, in some way he becomes a father to that person. The church too needs fathers. Thank you all for joining us today. We hope that you found our program interesting. Please join us again next week on Radio Veritas between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock on 576 AM or on DSTV channel 870.